And welcome into episode number 21 here on the MNCAA podcast. Starting off tonight, we have Noah Grant talking St. Jose Huskies hockey. Noah, uh, to say the least, alarm bells are maybe silent for now uh, because the Huskies did what they had to do and what was a very critical juncture uh, of their season this past weekend. Are the alarm bells ever really off in Huskies Nation? Let's no, not really. Um, no. Yeah, they did do what they had to do. Um, let's just wait until this upcoming weekend here. Obviously, a really uh, exciting matchup uh, between the Bulldogs and St. Cloud. But yeah, like you mentioned, another animal on the docket in the CC Tigers and the Huskies. Uh, handily winning both hockey games, finding a scoring touch, a couple of guys contributing in the lineup that maybe uh, weren't contributing a little bit more, staying out of the penalty box as well, too, <clears throat> Easton Brodzinski. So uh, a lot of a lot of good things you know for this huskies team to build on how many times have we said that this year though nick right and uh we'll have to see if the st cloud can actually figure it out in arguably the biggest test of the season it's going to determine home ice uh, against an opponent that they are all too familiar with uh fortunately so st cloud got a little help this past weekend speaking of duluth um probably unexpected help uh to to be totally honest uh duluth in miami uh for those who don't follow the nchc very closely miami the last place team at the conference uh less than still a year uh with with all due respect to the red hawks but um as of late have actually been playing pretty competitively um you know to their credits they haven't uh, rolled over and uh are just trying to get to uh to the tea time uh you know start of the year so you got to give kudos to uh, the players still uh, fighting for every single game so um, and they showed that uh, Duluth easily favored to to sweep in Miami, and it was the Red Hawks after being beaten Friday come up with a four nothing shutout win against the Bulldogs, and uh, with the Huskies winning both of their games, closed that gap in the NCHC standings to just two points. And uh, Noah, that the math is still you probably want to win both, but the scenarios opened up just a little bit for the Huskies. Yeah, they do. Obviously, you gave yourself a chance. Uh, unfortunately, you didn't give yourself as good of a chance as you would hope maybe a couple weekends ago against Omaha. Then there's another team that randomly out of nowhere has suddenly started playing some really great hockey again, too. Um, but that's the NCHC, right? You're never out of it until you're out of it. And even if you're out of it, are you really ever out of it? That's what I'm trying to say there. Um, and Miami, technically, you know, if North Dakota has a tough weekend, um, you could potentially maybe get Denver in the first round or maybe give North Dakota fits even. So we still have some interesting things uh, on the docket here as far as the NCHC playoffs are concerned. But if you're St. Cloud, you've got to focus on what is right in front of you. And yeah, you'll take it. You'll take the free help from Miami, right? And uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, Duluth is going to be that rattled by that performance. I thought Miami played them tight both games on the weekend, obviously getting the win on Saturday. But I think if you're Duluth, your question marks have been season long things just like the Huskies, right? You know, when you're out of hockey games, when you're not controlling games, there are some concerning signs that start to creep in. Probably saw that a little bit on Saturday, but I think uh, a little bit better at home. Maybe the Duluth Bulldogs will be against St. Cloud than on the bigger ice sheet at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. We'll have to see. But I think the most intriguing thing right now about the Bulldogs, uh, and we talked a little bit uh, on both this show and the Huskies Warming House podcast about how both of these teams, St. Cloud and Duluth, really kind of needed, you know, to maybe split with each other or not dominate one or the other. Obviously, it helps one but not the other, but I think the best thing that can happen for both squads is for them to kind of go back and forth a little bit. Interestingly enough, how about Duluth, the only team in the pairwise that is technically at 10% at risk of finishing in, in the top 10 or 11, but actually missing the tournament for being a sub-500 hockey team? 
it's been a weird year. It's been a weird year for the, the two teams that are sitting 20th and 26th in win percentage in the top 11 in the pairwise. And I know that a lot of conversation has been made about the win percentage. You know, the way that I look at it, Noah, and I think you would agree with this, that this shows you just how good and how deep the NCHC conference has been this season. Uh, you take away Colorado College, which uh, you know, despite their uh, maybe not being – on top of their game against the Huskies this past weekend's first weekend actually was against these Tigers at the Ed Robeson Arena. Uh, gave Huskies fits that weekend. So they're a team that's on the rise. I really like their coach, Chris Mayotte. I think he will turn that program around. Uh, Miami, first half of the season, they definitely uh, had a tough go. Again, second half, they've had some spurts of goodness. And, you know, it's less about the winning percentage to me as about is this is now playoff hockey, right? How do these yeah. teams play? Um, but to your point, going to these two teams, Duluth and St. Cloud essentially swapping pairwise spots. But if you're Duluth now sitting at 11, you're very close to that teeter-totter there. Um, you definitely are at home ice. You should feel better about that. Uh, but again, you're trying to maintain home ice right now. And I think I agree with your assessment that, you know, maybe a split for both teams would actually kind of help them in the pairwise. I don't think either team would want that scenario to unfold either way. But uh, I guess, you know, if, if you're looking at this matchup for the Huskies, uh, what do they have to do uh, to try to have the easiest path to uh, to have a couple more games at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center to, again, then take that train down to St. Paul and compete for the uh, the frozen faceoff in the NCHC tournament championship? Yeah, so this might shock you, Nick, but uh, winning a couple of games this weekend would be super helpful. Um, yeah, Insightful. yeah, crazy. <laughs> That's why I'm on this show, actually, yeah. because of all the, the big, hot takes, big brain time here. Also, kind of interesting when we were talking about not only the pairwise, um, also um, Krejci or however you say it, uh, Ken's ratings, uh, mm -hmm. the other kind of ranking that helps you a little bit with strength of schedule. Duluth actually has the toughest strength of schedule in the country. Uh, St. Cloud is sitting, I believe, at sixth. Um, fifth, excuse me, um, for their strength of schedule. So it has been an interesting year for both of these teams. You know that Duluth has the experience in the national championship side with Scott Sandlin a couple of years ago, and then the top schedule this season. So what do the Huskies got to do? Um, I honestly think it just goes back to playing the way that they did against Duluth this past Tuesday, while also bringing in the elements that they did against Colorado College, not only on the power play, but on five on five, where they weren't passive around the scoring areas of the ice. They were willing to filter pucks into the danger areas. They were willing to take shots when they were available. They were willing to threaten the crease and take what was given to them for grade A opportunities. I think that was the one thing that St. Cloud ran into against Duluth. I don't know that the Bulldogs minus, I would say probably the first, first two periods, I guess, in the first matchup against the Huskies and maybe the overtime of last game. Other than that, St. Cloud has probably been the better team in that matchup. So you know the recipe for success. You put up 47 shots the the fall or last Tuesday against the Bulldogs. I think there's a lot of elements that you can take from that and then take what you built off from that Tuesday into the matchup against the Tigers offensively and continue that production. And we talk so much about, for example, Easton Brodzinski scoring for the first time, whatever it was, 10 or 11 games. That's how offenses kind of have to work when it rains, it pours, right? Let the floodgates open. Let the offense start to be productive again. Let your worst offensive stretch of the season be uh, the tail end of January, the beginning of February, and make sure you start to produce again into March and into tournament time. It's easier said than done, but St. Cloud, we talk so much about the process. They've been playing the right way in terms of threatening the, the areas of the crease. Now can they do it against a top 16 team in the country? 
And how pivotal was this series against Colorado College? Again, it's a team on paper you should beat, but that winning, or sorry, that overtime loss against Duluth was could have been very damaging. As you mentioned, the Huskies controlled 50 of the 60 minutes uh, in that hockey game, vastly outshot. In fact, almost doubled the shots on net, um, more than doubled the shots attempted in that hockey game. So it's one of those where you did everything and you should have won the game, but you end up on the on the other side of it. Uh, so mentally, you know, to be able to put that behind you, to be able to replicate some of that success against Colorado College, uh, confidence is going to play, I think, a pretty big role coming this weekend, especially on Friday, uh, when I think, again, both these teams are going to look at Friday as the more important matchup of the two. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, first step is essential. Really, you got to take four out of six points, if the math serves me correct, for the Huskies. So correct. Uh, a regulation win uh, on Friday night will go a long way, or Saturday, quite obviously. Um, and like we said, you don't want to lose the hockey game. And if you are going to lose it, you can't lose it in regulation. You got to at least push it, you know, overtime shootout, probably. So um, the other thing, too, is, is that I think the Huskies actually benefited from having a couple of games where their backs have already been up against the wall, having the matchup against Duluth, having the matchup, you know, the previous weekend uh, as well, and kind of having those games where they were a little bit on edge for the first five minutes and then realize, oh, it's zero, zero. We're fine. We're okay. Let's start to play hockey a little bit again. And they finally, I think, relaxed a little bit on Saturday against Colorado College. I think also knowing that you're entering in, the final week of the regular season, knowing that if one win definitely puts you out of reach of Omaha as well, too. I think there's a lot more relaxation and a lot more calmness that is probably going to come from this group this weekend, knowing what the picture is now. You know what's in front of you. There's not, you know, so many things that can swing either direction. It's two hockey games. You got to focus on the first five minutes, got to focus on the first period, got to focus on the first night. Just worry about that. And I think St. Cloud in an ironic way going through those moments where their backs were somewhat against the wall. And it was a little bit terrifying to know what would happen if the game got away from them early and then it didn't get away from them maybe has kind of helped prepare them for this moment a little bit. And, you know, pun intended with the Bulldogs Huskies thing, St. Cloud is the underdog in this matchup. What do they really have to lose? Go out and play like you have nothing to lose. And I think when St. Cloud does that, as we've seen in the past about week and a half, it has been beneficial for them. Let's actually talk about that back against the wall mentality because, you know, it's almost the exact opposite for Duluth. Uh, you know, their backs, I would think, proverbially are maybe in their heads against the wall. I think, although the percentages are still over 90% and maybe not that 99 or 98, right? I still think Duluth has a very good shot of making the tournament um, despite, uh, you know, what may happen, even worst case scenario, if they get swept this weekend. Um, I still think they're in there, but... Um, Again, I, I would think that if you're in that locker room and you're, you're not happy with your Saturday performance in Miami, um, now you know that you know you could have kept the math at a very favorable option for you uh, coming this weekend. Now it's a little bit uh, less secure, uh, I guess, for the Bulldogs. It's almost the same mentality that you know this is kind of your moment to, to, to step up and to take control. Uh, you're at home ice, and so for the Bulldogs, what do they got to do to, you know, I guess, put themselves at ease and, and try to keep the Huskies uh, to, uh, to have to have them come back for a second straight weekend and this time be in a playoffs type scenario? Now, this, Nick, I'm telling you, it might shock you, but. Oh. Not, the, not a lot of things do, but if if Duluth can win a hockey game this weekend, it would really help them. Um, oh. And I say that 
because of the fact that you look at their overall record, they're 16, 14 and four. So if they drop both of the games this weekend and then they lose in the first round of the NCHC playoffs, I'm not a big math guy, Nick, uh, but that would look good. That would be sub 500 if I'm not mistaken. So um, that's uh, uh, something to kind of kind of keep in mind there for Duluth. So um, simply just getting a win in either of the nights, you talk about how pivotal Friday night is going to be. I think whatever team is able to get that victory on Friday night, regardless of even if St. Cloud wins on Friday and loses in regulation on Saturday, I think whichever team is able to grab that first victory on that first night is just going to feel a little bit more at ease. They're just going to feel like, okay, um, you know, if it's St. Cloud, they're like, okay, we've provided some separation away from Omaha. We're, we're, pretty much not going to get touched by them at that particular point. Um, in fact, regulation win would put the Huskies out of contention for being caught by Omaha anyway. So that's an important piece there for whatever team gets that victory to just have them relax and on Duluth side, like we just mentioned, knowing that that one win uh, mathematically should probably be enough potentially to push you um, at least into 500 territory. Cause if Duluth, wins the first night and then loses the second night and then loses both games in the NCHC playoffs, they're exactly 500 on the nose. So um, if you're the Bulldogs, same mentality, relax, play your game and just get one win, get one regulation win, which sounds easy, but between these two teams, the way overtimes have been in the past couple of years, uh, it's going to be a tight finish. I would be shocked if there's a large spread in either of the contests. So, so let's bring up the tarot cards, shall we? And maybe, you know, mm-hmm. get to the, the craps table. Time to to lay down how the very unbiased Noah Grant will protect how this weekend's going to go. <laughs> uh, but as you mentioned, I think what, what gets lost in this series is just how closely contested it has been over the past two, if not three seasons. Again, these teams know each other well. They play a very similar style of hockey. And uh, again, I, and we talked about this on the uh, the Huskies Warmers podcast. I don't think, you know, these two teams have always ended the regular season just opposing barns. They just flip flop back and forth between Amsoil and the Herb. Uh, this is the one in recent memory that has actually had more implications coming down to the wire, mm-hmm. which is a playoff seating, even more so possibly postseason hopes here, depending on which way uh, these couple games go. So uh, I guess, how do you actually see this playing out and which team uh, ends up winning that battle of the dogs? Yeah, I believe that Duluth will come out with a lot of fire on Friday night. I think Duluth gets, uh, um, a victory in the shootout on Friday night. And I think the Huskies win by a single goal in regulation on Saturday, therefore giving the Huskies the smallest of margins to push themselves into that fourth place spot and home ice scrapping four out of six points from the Bulldogs on the weekend. That is my prediction. Um, and I think it's going to be tightly contested. And I don't think that we're going to have a game that finishes with a spread of a one more than a one goal difference, unless there's an empty net goal involved. So I believe that the play minus empty nets, both games will be one goal contests in the, in the end of it. They have been uh, all of this season so far. And uh, I guess one final quick, uh, quick uh, note here too, Noah is, you know, the Huskies were really missing um, the offense from Sam Henches at his trip to mm-hmm. uh, overseas Olympics. That was a, obviously a great experience for him, but then Easton Brodzinski too was very quiet. As you mentioned, one goal in the past, either 10 or 11 games, how pivotal is it going to be for them? As we see with goal scorers, they tend to be streaky to keep that streak going. If the Huskies are going to able uh, to sneak into that fourth spot and uh, grab home ice for the first, uh, first round here. Yeah. Imperative. And I think the thing that's kind of funny about that is I feel like Sam Henches and Easton Brzezinski have kind of flip-flopped from last year, right? Sam Henches has kind of been the new go-to guy as far as putting the puck in the back of the net. And Easton Brzezinski is now the streaky scorer that, you know, 
maybe isn't relied on for his goal scoring ability right now, but is trying to contribute offensively in, in that regard, similar to how Sam maybe was last year. So they're both going to be important if one of them's going, you know, one of them has to be going uh, if the other one's not. And if you have them both going, it's obviously impressive. I still think even more so, and it goes in an underrated sense, uh, another big addition is getting Nick Perbix back, right? Just having that stability on the back end, on the power play, feeling like you have that puck-moving defenseman that has poise and control. We've seen it in years past. Your Jack Ashans, your Jimmy Schultz. Having a guy like that that can play that way, Jack Peart was maybe going to be that guy that was going to mold. Um, I think Josh Lidke is maybe kind of becoming that guy a little bit as of late right now, too. Had a goal, obviously, on the weekend, too, and is impressed as well. So the defensive core is going to be important, and like you said, Nick, <laughs> putting the puck in the back of the net, not a bad plan as well. Not at all. Uh, we'll certainly be here to cover it all here for you again as the uh, postseason hockey for NCAA Division I uh, comes a little bit closer. And uh, what? A week and a half and change, yeah. and it'll be here. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a great roller coaster ride. And again, we'll be here to cover it for you. With that being said, Mr. Noel, we are going to head back down south a little bit. We're going to bring in our friend Ryan Stieg, who will touch us on, on the St. Thomas Tommies and their first round matchup coming up here in the CCHA. <laughs> And then welcoming us in from, well, the shadows of St. Paul, we should maybe say. Yes. <laughs> Good old Ryan Steger to uh, talk with us on St. Thomas and uh, uh, what might be one of the last times we talk about him, uh, Ryan, here coming up. But uh, it, it's been quite the season. Uh, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Yeah. It, uh, uh, at least this is at least one more after this. Let's put it yeah. that way. <laughs> <laughs> one um, more. Uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know how that plays out. Although I, we're and we'll we'll go deep dive into it. But uh, yeah. regular season over. Um, mm -hmm. Let's actually talk about what happened uh, in the the last regular season uh, seasons uh, series here against Bemidji. This was a close. Um, was, the, yeah. the, Stieg, the Stieg watch was in full effect. I, I was randomly, uh, I think I've got a little bit of soreness in my thumb because I was rapidly uh, refreshing my Twitter feed to see what was going on. Now, Ryan, what should catch us up until uh, how St. Thomas fared against the Beavers this past week? Well, uh, I, I wasn't able to watch it on TV because I was out of town as in Grand Forks, but I was doing, uh, for those who follow me on Twitter, I was doing the watching a game live while following like six other games at the same time. And I'm probably, you know, annoying my wife next to me as she's trying to focus on the game and she sees me scrolling on my phone the entire, <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, Friday night, it was a tight one. Uh, they got into a little bit of a hole doing kind of St. Thomas things. They fell behind, were able to fight back, got down to just one with only like a couple minutes left. Fortunately for them, Bemidji gets the empty netter that clinches it. Oh. But, but, yeah. So uh, kind of a story of the season with St. Thomas, you know, so yeah. close. And then, and then you got the second night, St. Thomas led like three separate occasions of that game. And as Rika pointed out in the preview that I sent out earlier today, they led they were leading <laughs> and and really taking care of business against Bemidji. But, you know, the Beavers just kept chugging along. They pull the goalie late. They get the tying goal, goes into overtime. And as we've mentioned before on the show, St. Thomas and overtime, we know what happens. <laughs> 
Bemidji scored 26 seconds in overtime. Not as oh. absurd as the Bemidji, as the Bowling Green one, which was six seconds in the overtime or something like that. But still, it's like Bemidji got rolling. They found an opening and buried it. And it was just like, <sighs> oh. <laughs> they could have gone into the postseason with a win. Most likely, it would have been their last win of the year. <laughs> and, you know, just, you know, had a little boost to go in. But, uh I don't know. He was happy when I talked to Rico Blasi today. He said, you know, I thought we played really well overall. Um, you know, we kept them to the outside for the most part, which is what you got to do against a good team. They were able to, you know, maneuver the puck, got some transition in there. It just, they couldn't hold on on Saturday night, which was disappointing, but uh, it was fun. It was fun getting that many people to follow the game and be like, I know Max is just like, What's going on? Is this actually going to happen? <laughs> Are they going to beat Lake State and Bemidji on consecutive weeks? And they came close, but uh, that's kind of the story of the second half has been with uh, St. Thomas is they've kept pace with a lot of good teams, but it's just something slips away on them. They end up one goal short. Something happens in overtime. And, you know, hopefully this is something that will go away next season. But uh, still, it was a solid weekend, I thought, overall. And, you know, you, you talk about transition hockey. I, I want to stay with Bemidji a little bit here, Ryan. That's not a team that you can transition mm-hmm. hockey very well against I me. Mean, again, with the uh, the Thomas Territory uh, regime, it's it's that neutral zone trap. It's the clog the middle. It's the almost force your team to kind of panic and, you know, I guess get frustrated. Then all of a sudden you start looking down and you, you sort of point the proverbial gun at your own foot and, and pull the trigger. Um, so to, to keep pace with Bemidji, mind you, Bemidji State, you know, maybe not having the season they would like, mm-hmm. uh, but they're still a top 30 team. And and again, they cause a lot of other teams fits. I, I think, although, like you said, it's one win in the last uh, the last two weekends. Um, I still think by by standards, if you were to ask St. Thomas fans, that if you were going to beat Lake State and split with them and then essentially lose an overtime against Bemidji and then lose a one-goal game against the Beavers, and that's the last four games, I think a lot of fans would take that result. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I would think so too. I mean, I, when I asked Rico about that today, I said, do you think your team's going in the right direction? And he said, yeah. He goes, I think anybody who's watched our games <laughs> in the last you know few weeks has seen that we are moving in the right direction. I think Tommy's fans would take that. It's... The wins aren't there, but again, as we've said before, this is a year where you don't judge a team based on its win-loss record. You look at its progress, and I think the second half, and a lot of people have noticed it too, they've played significantly better. They've they kept up with Tech, they kept up with Bowling Green, they kept up with Bemidji. They for for two and a half periods. That one game against Mankato, they kept pace yeah. with the number one team in the country. So it's like they can do it. They're just, I would say maybe this year, like before when the season started, I thought they were like two steps behind everybody else. But I would say at this point, maybe half a step behind the teams. I mean, it's like they're, they've made up for the stuff that they've had to deal with at the beginning of the season, you know, the inexperience and the, lack of you know playing together and i think they've made a lot of good moves progress i like i said i'd say they're half a step behind everybody else you know mankato is obviously a little different but you know it's like the remaining of the conference the way they've played 
yeah, I mean, I would think they'd be able to, they're going to be really good next year. I, I'm, I'm not saying, that, you know, hey, home ice in the first round or any of that kind <laughs> of stuff, but I think they're going to have a, they're going to be a better, more experienced, prepared team, I think, next year. Uh, last topic before we, we kind of jump into a few things uh, a little bit different here, Ryan. Uh, we mentioned this at the start of the season. Uh, we talked about the resume of Rico Blasi, how he had great runs with Miami, how he's just a, a fantastic human being, is a great coach. For those who maybe have doubted Rico, for those who even, let's say, are so fixated on the win-loss record, which I think is, well, it just speaks for itself, right, for the mm -hmm. casual fan. Is there any doubt now that Rico Blasi is the right man for the job after what we've seen progress over the course of this season? I, um, at the start of the year, when he was hired back in June, I was like, I was not expecting that. I thought maybe they'd try to poach maybe a, an assistant coach from one of the uh, more established programs, maybe get someone from Mankato or maybe from, you know, some of the other teams in the CCHA. I didn't think they'd look in Rico's direction, but from what I've seen so far, he does, he is the right guy for the job. He's he, all. <laughs> Every week he mentions the process, and I, I insist that St. Thomas should have marketed the process this year, like did a hashtag the process thing or printed shirts or something like that, because I've never seen a man mention that word so much in every single press conference I've had. But it's he is. He knows that this is going to be a big transition. He knows it's going to have to be a week by week by week and try to make little increments as the season goes on. And I think – he is the right guy. They've really, again, like you said, the one loss record. I mean, if you're paying attention to that and that's the only thing that matters, I mean, are you really paying attention <laughs> to what's no. going on? No, it's like you're you're seeing what they've done and it's just, I, I'm, I'm impressed with how well they've played. I mean, I when we went into Christmas break, I was like, well, they got that one win. Are they going to be able to get that second victory? They've ended up with three victories, came close to getting maybe five or six, you know, in the last two months. So, yeah, I, I do think he was the right guy for the job. I um, And I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do next year. I really am. To me, it's actually been the story to follow in college hockey, to be honestly, because of, of if you actually pay attention to the performance on the ice and how this team has grown. And it's actually been very, very fun and very cool to watch. And I do commend Rico Blasi, the players also for St. Thomas to, to continue to, to buy into that process. It, it's been really, really fun to watch them grow. Um, and to me still going to be, I think the team to watch next season to see how much more they jump, uh, especially with some of the recruits coming as a Jake Brassini, I think is their prize <laughs> possession coming in next season. Um, so that they're going to be fun. Uh, no question about it. Uh, speaking of fun, Ryan, uh, you talk about, watching multiple hockey games you're talking about a, a, a guy's dream on friday and saturdays um for those who didn't uh, maybe catch exactly where you were in, in terms of uh, the map and geography uh, this may trigger some minnesota hockey fans but uh, you were in attendance at, at some arena up it may be grand forks yeah some really nice arena that's up in north dakota i spent a weekend up there um i did go to school there for those who don't know that yet i did go to und my wife, that's all I hear. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my wife is an alum of UND. And so my family has this tradition that they've started. Uh, we used to do it at the WCHA Final Five when I was going on. 
we'd have a big family get together during that weekend but uh you know and then it went away and then there's the nchc and it just kind of lost its appeal so now everybody gets together in grand forks for a series and this is the first time i've gotten to partake in it in 12 years so or been in there this is the first time i've been in grand forks in 12 years not, not just a game so this was it's not the only thing that's drawn you back to grand forks let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> honestly there's a lot of truth to that I, I i lived four years there i mean it's it's not a place that you know beckons your heart to be like i want to spend my february <laughs> in grand forks north dakota it's uh but it was fun it was fun to reminisce i went around i wanted to see how the ralph had changed um i wrote an article again shameless plug triple d.com there is there is an article where i talked about the experience it was the behemoth of a scoreboard they have now. I mean, it was a nice scoreboard when I was there, but now it's just, it's like the size of the XL Energy Center scoreboard. It's just, they've modernized everything. The most interesting thing for me was they're really trying to cut down on the Fighting Sioux stuff. Some of the stuff they can't yeah, help. They can't no, they up. haven't. Come on. Yeah, they, I mean, the <laughs> logos are all around, but they're really trying to get people not <laughs> to be all about the Sioux. There's stuff they can't control and stuff they can. So they're trying to do it. But the experience that my memory is the toilet. If you've read my article, you know that it was fan appreciation night or something. So they're handing out prizes the entire game. The last grand prize was a toilet. Now, not like a toilet that you go and pick up at Menards, but an actual toilet. And it was a kid who they awarded to. This girl was like <laughs> 10 or 12 years old, and they gave her a toilet. And the mom had to cart the toilet <laughs> on a wheelchair out of your out of the arena. And I'm just thinking they're going, what do you do with that? I mean, it's like, great, I got a new toilet, but... I hope they brought the gift receipt to Menards for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I mean, it's pretty, you, it's pretty crappy. Yeah, I mean, literally crappy. Because yeah. like, let's say if you're in an apartment, you know, you can't, you know, you can't replace your toilet without contacting your landlord. <laughs> so it's like it's, it was a bizarre gift, and uh, out of all the stuff, that's like probably the top one memorable <laughs> moment because I've never seen that before. But it was a great thing. Uh, I'm hoping to go back next year. I don't know what game it'll be, but uh, we saw him sweep Mich Western Michigan. That was a good series, and uh, it was just fine to be back with the family. And stuff like that. Speaking of being back, uh, Ryan St. Thomas uh, will be back in action this weekend. It is the first round of the CCHA mm -hmm. uh, conference tournament. Uh, unfortunately, because of the record, the one thing that does matter um, for St. Thomas is that you do end up facing the number one seed in the CCHA, which unfortunately also happens to be the number one uh, team in the mm -hmm. country, Minnesota State Mankato. Um, I would think there's probably on paper and, and for the, even for the enthused follower that you are, uh, I think there is probably some, I, I guess, some predictable outcomes in this one, unfortunately. Um, I feel like if they were playing any other team in the conference, I could go into it and say like, you know, they might be able to steal a game. You know, this could be a three game series. I honestly could think that except it's not, they're playing Mankato. Mankato is so good. They're stacked on everything. I mean, there was that one game where St. Thomas was able to keep up with them a little bit, but to beat you have to beat Mankato twice in their own barn, and it's just it's just too tough of a task for St. Thomas this year. Like if they're playing Tech or Bemidji or Lake State, any of the other top three seeds, 
I could say, yeah, I think this could actually go three games, but it's just not. I think, do I think it's going to be a, like an 8-0 blowout <laughs> or like a 7-1 thing both nights? No, I think I think St. Thomas will be able to keep up for a while, but eventually Mankato is going to catch fire. That's just what they do. And uh, I would say it's going to be a two-game series. I'm going to say maybe the first night I'll say like a 5-2 and maybe the second night like a – I don't know, 6-3 or something like that. Maybe St. Thomas gets a couple garbage goals late or something like that. I don't know. But uh, it's it's going to be a rough way to go out. Um, but, you know, I think what St. Thomas has done in the second half is going to be something that I hope people judge St. Thomas based on that instead of what's going to happen this weekend because it's not going to look very good and, you know, Judge them on what they've done so far rather than what's going to happen this weekend. Quick 30 seconds here because it, this is college hockey. We've seen crazier things, <clears throat> especially for Huskies fans. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Ryan, what if St. Thomas even stole one game? How much of a shock of the hockey world would, would that, you know, kind of meteor into the to the crust of the earth? That, that would probably be, you know, we've talked earlier in the year, what is the upset of the year? Um, that would probably be the upset of the year and maybe the last two or three <laughs> you could back up there. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's not an NCAA tournament game, but still, I mean, nobody would expect that. It'd be huge. And I want to see if Max would cash in his 401k or whatever, like he said. <laughs> you know, the last time they played Mankato if St. Thomas were to beat them. So um, yeah, that would be something spectacular. It's not gonna happen, but it would be great. They certainly will be a fun to watch again. St. Thomas, uh, great first season. Um, again, we've seen the growth and then, uh, want to see the, the bar to continue to rise. And we'll probably see that as we head into more than likely next summer and into next fall. Uh, but Ryan, that will do it here from us. We need to head uh, over to Minneapolis and catch up with the very hot and suddenly streaky, uh, Minnesota golden Gophers. Hoops fans. Wow. Uh, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. Yep. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Do it right now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-797777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in new york call 877-8 hope new york or text hope new york 467369 And now join us to talk Minnesota Golden Gophers and 
they are golden right now, Jerko. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, yeah, good to, good to be here. You know, it's a uh, they weren't uh, some of the Olympians weren't golden, and they at at the Olympics, and they said, you know what, might as well bring some of that winning attitude or, or what the winning the winning that they didn't do in Beijing, bring it over here. And uh, I mean, man, is that uh, I mean, that's getting ahead of ourselves. But man, they have a uh, yeah. The Gophers been on fire the last the last uh, couple couple of weeks, a couple of, honestly, a couple of months. It's funny how not that long ago you and I were sitting down and we were talking about how the Gophers were kind of in a scary spot. They were in bubble territory. This team really hadn't strung anything together consistently. We were thinking, is this a personnel issue? Is this a coaching issue? What in the hell is going on with this team? And you know, honestly. Let's let's just let's just do this. Let's just talk uh, the season in review for the Gophers and uh, how they got to this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was I was there sitting in the car and I was we were saying, you know, it's just boy, is this gonna? This is one loss uh, against a Michigan State or an Ohio State away from, I mean, being not just on the bubble. I mean, this this team before before the winning started, before the the winning streak started here. Um, they, they were sitting at like 10th, 11th, 12th in the pairwise. And, um, I mean, honestly, at this point with all the auto bids that go around, that's, that's bubble territory and like one wrong move and you fall down to 13 or 14 and bam, you're out. It's just, it, it's been so competitive and especially with all the auto, obviously like all the auto bids from conference tournaments and conference regular season titles and everything. It's just, it, it could have been dicey there for a while, but then the Gophers kind of turned it on and, um, yeah, it just it it was a, a culmination of uh, kind of be, seeing all the adversity they had to face and taking it head on, um, and not that we kind of not that we challenged them to do that, but we kind of said like, well, now it's gonna it's up it's up to these guys who make the make the team obviously what it is while they were still here when the Olympians were going away when Jack Lafontaine was going away. It's up to those guys to say, okay, we're either gonna do something with with the rest of this season where we're just going to kind of flounder and just say just kick ourselves just saying okay what what did we actually do um and they really they, they obviously took it uh swept the last four series of the season regular season um and obviously in pretty decent fashion uh 13 a 13 goal spot against wisconsin in two games last weekend yeah, about that big red thing, right? Um, <laughs> um, Drew, you know, it's funny how this season really kind of turned around. At least for me, it was when Jack LaFontaine signed um, his entry-level deal with Carolina, where I think for me, that's where things sort of turned. And I think you can make an argument for that. Maybe it was losing to the, you know, I guess losing the three to the Olympics. Uh, I guess in your in your opinion, what was the turning point of this season that really, I guess, maybe caused the Gophers to either come together or just be on the same page? I mean, what was it? What was the turning point of this season? I mean, I got to say it's a combo. Um, obviously, Jack LaFontaine leaving, it was kind of a, a, a shocker. Um, to just it had to have been at just about everybody, especially even those in the locker room there. Um, and to kind of say, all right, well, we need to if we want to make something this season, we're I mean, we can't we can't let our let our goaltender who was the third stringer who played just the third period against the US 18 team. Um, you can't you can't leave them hanging out to dry and like it, it's kind of a pride thing. It's like it's got to be going through their heads like we can't let we can't embarrass this guy every night. Not that they don't believe in in his ability to do it, but he's just he, ne he never he hasn't played at the college level up until this season, um, aside from a period against uh, uh, some 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 high schoolers basically. But 
Um, so it just from an untested standpoint, it kind of makes sense to say, okay, we, we got to make sure to do our best in front of this guy to give him a good shot and give him the best chance to come into this league and make a difference. And um, it looks like they obviously did that. And, but I think also with um, the same kind of vein as where the Olympian, the three Olympians going away, I mean, guys like Carl Fish were able to step in. He was able to be, be a big 10 third star of the week. And, uh, you get a guy like Rhett Pitlick too, who had, I mean, elevated roles because some of those higher end, uh, more established forwards were gone. Um, it just, it opened the door for some of these guys who had opportunities, but might not have had as good of an opportunity as they did when those guys were gone. Um, so I think it's just, it's a combination of both, not just losing Jack, but also um, the Olympians going away kind of provided a lot of that opportunity. And I mean, look what they, look what they all did with it. I mean, uh, Red Pitt like really turned out Aaron Hewlin had a really good second half. Um not to mention like Carl Fish and Justin Close has had has has some just pretty insane numbers going on right now. I know it's just half a season, but he's he's got really really good numbers and he was he was added to the uh, the Mike Richter Award watch list. Which uh, I mean, if you do look at it, there's a there's a quite a quite a fair number of goalies in in, in college hockey on there. But um, it, it's 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 a testament to that he was able to that he's able to put up those numbers. I mean, be very being the third stringer on a team that had one of the best goaltenders in, in the, I mean, the, the best goaltender in college hockey last year. Um, it makes a lot of sense that, okay, maybe if he comes in, he has decent numbers, but I mean, you could have, you could have seen anyone could have expected poor numbers, decent numbers and great numbers. And he's put up the great numbers. So the goalkeepers have gotten really, really good, really not necessarily lucky with that, but just they, they kind of, a diamond in the rough and not really knowing what they had with Justin Close. And uh, who knows if he would have actually gotten any more playing time if Jack LaFontaine was still here right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, when you talk about how this this team has sort of, it, it's almost like they needed a rallying cry, right? And Justin Close, I think, maybe provided that a little bit. I think you could also mention that as far as the Olympians are concerned, right? But, you know, here's where they're at. And it's a far cry from, I think, about four or five weeks ago, where I think at least in the pairwise and the rankings, they were at either 11, 12, or 10, somewhere in that. And uh, as you mentioned before, uh, this was sort of like, oh, gosh, are the Gophers, you know, on that watch list where they're kind of on the the edge of the cliff, per se. And now, uh, latest coaches, but they're number two, uh, top four in the pairwise uh, holy cow, how dangerous right now is this goal for team? I think you could argue, Drew, this is one of the hottest teams in college hockey right now. Oh, yeah, especially when you kind of see a lot of teams trending up, trending down, and obviously Michigan um, not necessarily struggling against Notre Dame, but, I mean, kind of keeping pace. I mean, where the Gophers kind of did, did a little bit more damage there against uh, not obviously Gophers were playing not saying that the Gophers were playing the similar caliber of an opponent as Michigan was with Notre Dame. Um, obviously, Wisconsin is not on that level this year um, in kind of the the mid range of the, the conference here. But um, yeah, they go. They, it's they're on a tear right now, exactly when they need to be, and that's that's kind of that's that's been the way this team has gone. I think a few years within the last uh, within I guess the last five or six, um, where it's just really turned on in the second half, and then they just kind of ran and and done something and, and tried to do something with it. Obviously it hasn't resulted in a national championship or a frozen four birth, but um, you got to think one of these seasons when they're, they're really hot down the stretch like this one, when they can have an extra, they can have a week off this weekend. Obviously they're not playing while the rest of the conference is. Um, 
it's just they they really turned it on at the right time and uh, obviously they got uh, they were, were the beneficiaries of uh, um, a schedule that ended up seeing a lot of uh, the, the conference's worst teams on their schedule at the end of the season so they kind of got a lot of those guys in the line um, but I mean you play the games that you're given and that's and the Gophers did the best that they could with what they were handed so um, you can't really ask much more than that um, out of what they did and what they've done so far and now they got a, they've got another week to regroup after a a pretty, um, I, I, you got to say, inflating series. Um, uh, one of the most, one of the most positive, go for hockey series I think in years, um, especially considering everything, not just what happened on the ice, but what happened around the rink and around the team. Is that in this weekend, go for hockey felt like it again. It felt really, really. It it, it felt like it was it was the, it, it's the thing in town, and that's and that's. And that's what this program is, has been wanting to get back to for so long. The building was full. Both, I mean, Saturday night especially, but Friday night it looked really close. Um, and what better team to do that against Wisconsin? And then they put up five and then eight too. So it's just it's it was it was a wild series. And obviously they can't they couldn't be headed into this into this uh, kind of bye week, I guess, uh, um, with any more positive positive vibes than they have right now. Uh, Drew, what does a regular season Big Ten championship mean for the Bob Motzko coaching regime in terms of where he was promising change? He was promising to essentially get this program back to that spot that you mentioned. But I, I guess where does this rank? How does this feel if you're a Gophers fan to know that you've won a Big Ten's you know, regular season title for the first time, I believe, since 2017? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you if you look at the the total there, it's uh, the Gophers do have a lot of those, uh, especially from when the conference was kind of on the weaker side, and a lot of the traditional powers were in downswing at the start of the uh, the start of this conference. But um, I, I think for Bob Motzko to get that 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 little that I guess not little, but uh, a, a victory and some kind of banner that isn't a national championship trophy. Um, it helps. It's a step in the right direction. And obviously saying that, okay, this team has been, they made the tournament a couple times. It seems like they have a pretty stable recruiting base and they're able to get guys to stay for a little while. They have really good players that, uh, that, I mean, if, if, if Ben Myers is a, is a stable type of gopher player for the, for the, for the Bob Motzko regime, I think that's going to be a successful one because it's a guy, it's, it's, it's a program made up of guys that are, that are really here to just, to, to be good college hockey players and and obviously work towards getting a be, becoming a, a, a better hockey player to hopefully have a career beyond just the college game. But um, I mean, you see, you, it's got to be a good thing for for this program um, to have a coach that's successful right now. And obviously, go, coming up back from where uh, where where it was, not that it was in shambles when uh, Domachia retired, but. Um, obviously, there had there there were some things that needed to be done to change and to 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 get the program back to where it was, kind of at the beginning of where Tom Chia was at the end of uh, Doug Wood as well. But I mean, it's it's got to be a step in the right direction when you're selling out the building again. Um, obviously, it's against the teams that people from here want to see. You want to see the North Dakotas. You want to see the Wisconsin's. That's that's the the two biggest draws. But um, you got to you got to start somewhere, and uh, once those start filling up, the others will start filling up. And when they keep winning games like that, people are going to say, "Man, I got to get a ticket to come see this team um, and pay attention again." And and come tournament time, it'll be. I mean, it, it's it, it's it's a. Uh, I, I heard a lot of people. I mean, the, the the talk when they're winning like this is a lot like the Wild, and it's like 
and especially now that the wild are kind of on a downturn currently, but I mean, the gopher men and gopher women are, are, are the talk of the town and they're the, they're the, the two most popular teams in the twin cities right now, uh, aside from, I mean, hockey teams aside from basketball too, but, uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a step in the right direction and good for Bob Motzko to get, to get, uh, some kind of milestone there, um, that they, that he can see that fans can see that the administration can see hanging up in the, in the, in the rafters. Drew, one one final thought here before uh, we head uh, a little bit more for, further north, as you could say. Uh, with success comes expectations, um, and the expectations now, I would imagine, um, have have risen a little bit. Um, again, Motzka was disappointed that they weren't able to get out of the regional against Minnesota State last season. Um, I would think with this recent run of success that the fan base would think that this team is capable now being uh, essentially number two in the coaches poll, top four in the pairwise, that this team should be able to get to the frozen four in Boston. Is that a realistic expectation? And um, would the season, if it ended pr- uh, prior to getting to the NCAA frozen four, would that be considered be, uh, I guess, falling short at this point? You know, I've been kind of waffling on that this season too, just based on, I think, and it's mainly based on personnel. I think with Jack LaFontaine, I think, and the team that came back this year, the fan base and, uh, I mean, mainly just the fan base would not be really too, I mean, excited if they didn't make the Frozen Four. Um, I think that could have shifted a little bit when they realized, okay, we're going to have some, we're going to have some guys playing the Olympics where Jack LaFontaine's gone. Um, but now after seeing the way they've played without them, I think it, that kind of just, it was a little dip and then kind of heightened the expectations again, saying, okay, now these te- these players that were on the bottom lines that we didn't know anything about, now we know that they can do well. And then the guys who we knew who can do can do really well are back and still playing really well. I, I just, I don't see how um, any fans' expectations really, especially after the last eight games, could be, could be low. Um, and to be just satisfied with getting uh, getting a one win in, a, in an NCAA regional, especially after last season, um, I think, I mean, and that's not to say that uh, that fans are necessarily greedy, but I'm just saying that Gopher fans have a high expectations of what this program is. I mean, I know a lot, I, there, there's people that I've talked to that say, you know what, if, I mean, if they're not even in the top 20 ranked at any point in the season, they say, what, what is really, what's going on here? It's just are the wheels like completely falling off type of thing. And that, that is kind of the, the bar for this, this program. It's like, all right, you got to be top 10, top five in the nation at all times to just to, to maintain those expectations that have been built up over the years. Um, and that's, and I think that's a fair expectation because most of the time that is the case. So it, it's, it's a fair expectation for the fan base to have. And you know what, when, um, when they're number two in the country right now, they're number four in the pairwise, this is, this is, this has got to be it for them. And I think, uh, I think the fan base would be extremely disappointed if there wasn't a frozen four birth out of this team. Um, and it might take a bit of the wind out of the sails. That's uh, that could be heading into next season. I could see if they make it and they would lose in the frozen four and the momentum's still kind of building, but I feel like it could be a man. Look, look at the the guys that they had this team um, and they couldn't get to a frozen four with them. And just, especially after seeing what they've, what they've all done the last, the last few weeks here. 
Definitely uh, have some hockey still to play to get uh, to that point before Drew, as again, the offers are off this week. Um, Then they will uh, get prepped for the Big Ten Conference Tournament um, and see if they can maybe add some hardware before, again, the selection committee and then again, the NCAA tournament, which starts at the end of March. Drew, again, thank you very much. We're going to head up back to the Arrowhead, as I mentioned before, with a team that has had uh, a couple of national championships as of recently, and that will be uh, Max Speech, who will bring us up to speed with uh, a very tense weekend coming up for the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. Ladies and gentlemen, the main event of the Nevermind. Hi, Max. How are you doing? Um, I introduce you that way because there is going to be quite the event this weekend up there at Amsoil. This is uh, this is some intense hockey that's about to come up. Uh, this is what you live for in the NCHC. This is what the season builds to. You want the excitement. And uh, UMD, you know, we're, we're happy to deliver. If the, the conference needs to rely on us to produce that kind of entertainment, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be in the middle of it. Speaking of delivering, uh, your your computer camera needs to to steady its ISO. Um, you know, <laughs> you keep going from Batcave to, uh, to Hollywood stage. They're I've, just like that. <laughs> I've got the world's worst ring light here. It's from from Amazon, the cheap way out. And you know, I've got. A, is it a, the is it the light that dims? Uh, the light doesn't dim. It is the computer camera, it, it but is the, the camera. fact that it's okay. just not connected. It's just completely. Oh, I see. So, okay, yeah. so the computer's going. What the heck's going on? Uh, yeah. But, you know, it kind of is almost a, a perfect rendition of the Bulldog season. You're Sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. Um, I know I'm a St. Cloud fan, so it sucks. <laughs> um, but how about this? Um, these two teams, again, we talked about the last few weeks. They seem to be destined on a collision course. And, uh, well, here we are, right? Um, the last, what, four or five years, these teams have hosted the regular season finale. Um, it's been swapped between both Amsoy and the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. But not in the last four or five years has I don't I think the games have meant this much to either squad. This is going to be quite the weekend of regular season hockey uh, between these two these two squads. We we call the dog fight. I know it's more hyperbole, but I don't think this weekend it's hyperbole. Uh, I I would certainly agree. So UMD got quite a bit of help um, with Western losing and. You know, they they had it right in front of them. They could have jumped them or at least been tied with them going into this weekend here and had an opportunity to take over that third spot. But um, they couldn't get it done on Saturday, to, to put it lightly there. It was a, a bit of a, a frustrating loss, not only for the fans, but for the players as well, hearing from, from some of them and seeing what they're going through. But to, to be only three behind a, a Western Michigan team and, and where they were, you know, just two weeks ago even, um, to, to see that UMD wasn't able to capitalize on the, the opportunity in front of them and now have to fight to keep that, that fourth place spot. It's, it's going to be rough. It is going to be rough. And uh, you talked about third place too. So that's what St. Cloud was looking at too, because, you know, there was all this focus on the Bulldogs and, you know, how can we catch them? How can we, maybe get home ice. There is a chance for that. Let's not kid ourselves, but we kind of forgot about Western Michigan and North Dakota kind of did you guys a favor. I mean, if things go your way this weekend, there may be an opportunity. However, I think Western Michigan is hosting Miami this weekend for the season finale. So 
but I don't think anybody expected UMD to lose on Saturday. Let's, let's be frank. Uh, so there, there could be some surprises, but uh, I guess what shouldn't be surprised is, or what shouldn't surprise anybody that follows this. I think it's okay to call it a rivalry uh, between the Huskies and the Bulldogs, that this is going to be some great hockey. It's going to be emotional hockey. And uh, there's a lot on the line between these two squads. Uh, uh, Max, uh, let's take it from the UMD's perspective first, because uh, again, UMD five point lead going into this weekend. It was expected to sweep both the Huskies and the Bulldogs to get to a five point spread. Essentially you needed to one overtime point to basically put it out of reach. Now Friday's game means a lot. Uh, so let's focus on Friday. How important is Friday's game for both these squads, but more and specifically for UMD, especially after Saturday's performance where you controlled the entire game, but just couldn't get one to fall. Yeah. Um, the, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Thinking back to, to Saturday's game and just the weekend in general, you had 96 shots from the Bulldogs over a weekend. And if, if you hear that, you're ecstatic as a Bulldogs fan, because that's not something you see from them every night. You're like, finally, we're getting some offensive chances and everything. And then you look at the scoring column and this 96 shots produced just three goals. And all three of those were on that, that Friday game, a three, one victory get, get blanked on, on Saturday, losing four, nothing, even after a, a 46 shot performance or 44 shot performance there is, is frustrating. I, I mentioned it before. It's, it's weighing heavy on quite a few guys and to just run into a goaltender that's that hot or, you know, what, what have you, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what happened. Um, you know, even watching it, it seemed like a lot of those shots were, things that normally go in the back of the net and you kind of alluded to it. It was just the, the frustration that was building on the ice. You can kind of see it. It was a little bit palpable that, you know, they were, they were breaking down in some of the other areas and they had some other fast breaks in terms of Miami's play and how they ended up scoring a couple of their goals as well. And that kind of didn't really add anything to, to what UMD wanted to do. So they kind of have to take that mentality and throw it out the window because you can't play like that against a team like St. Cloud. We've, we've seen it in the last series against the Huskies where, you know, you're not going to get all of those chances against a, a more defensive team, a different style of play than, than what they faced last weekend. And it's, it's, I don't want to say confusing, but um, it, it's going to have to be a, a more cohesive game overall. I don't think that UMD has had, they've probably had a full game, but it's been rare and they certainly haven't had a, a full weekend of, of exactly how they wanted to play. So I would take a full game from them um, in the upcoming series here. And if we can get a full weekend, it would be even better. Speaking of full, um, how about this? Uh, the, 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 the Bulldogs haven't had really a full roster at all this year, and they're going to actually might for the first time this weekend have a full healthy roster. I mean, that's insane to think about, Max. Um, you know, and you mentioned tough losses, right? I mean, St. Cloud, that exact blueprint that happened on Saturday to UMD happened to the Huskies against the Bulldogs earlier in that same week on Tuesday where the Huskies vastly controlled the game lost that game um but it's about how you respond right and i think one of the weird things about you know a, a situation like this is it can do two things it, it can get you down or it can provide a lot of motivation uh besides the saturday's result there's motivation to keep home ice but there's a fine line right there's a fine line between letting emotions you know kind of help you dictate play and get you back on the right track or emotions can be sort of a, a further dividing force. So uh, how important is it, is it for the Bulldogs to keep those emotions in check this weekend? Because again, it, it could further sink you down the rabbit hole if you let the emotions do all the talking. 
Yeah, emotions in check is is one of the major keys that they are going to have to have in in their back pocket coming into this game. Um, we saw it in the, the previous two games with St. Cloud in St. Cloud. Granted, they weren't in the same weekend, so the flow is a little bit different. But UMD got out to an early lead in both of those games, and they were trying to hang on to it. So if they fall behind early, it's going to be something that's completely foreign to them um, against St. Cloud, at least this year. Granted, you know, there are a lot of seniors on both teams. There are a lot of upperclassmen on both teams in general. So... They played each other seven times last year. They're going to be playing each other a minimum of four times this year. And, you know, what seems very likely another seven times this year, if it goes to three games in the, the NCHC playoffs in the first round there. So they're they're familiar with one another and they're familiar with that style of play. And, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, the rivalry, if it didn't exist before, which I think it did, the last two years, including this one, certainly is is really enforcing that or, or building it up to be something that can be... Um, worked at from from both teams so I, I don't see that as as being a negative necessarily but it is something that umd is going to have to to maintain a a mindset of going into it as a tough competition but one that they can win the previous two games they they have all of zero minutes of of being behind granted they didn't win the first game but they led all the way through uh until the last minute and then in overtime obviously nobody scored so for for the entire game, they, they were not down for two games in a row. So if they can go in knowing that they can hold a team that is as good as St. Cloud, even with that talented roster, talented goalie, like all of it, it it's going to be something that they need to build on. And that mentality of, you know, not getting too hard on yourself or too down if something doesn't go right right away is going to be the biggest thing. I do expect this to be a much more greasy series um, between these two squads. And, and, and that's sort of some hockey that we've seen only a couple of times, really. Uh, you know, these teams love to play. Uh, I don't know if clean hockey is the word, but they're, they like to be the skating skilled offensive team, right? Chances on the rush chances in the cycle. Uh, you're, they're not like say a Western Michigan or an Omaha that can, you know, kind of pound you in the boards that can be physical, um, kind of like Calgary. Holy cow. Does their own NHL reference that team? Yeah. Uh, we could go on a tangent on how, uh, playoff ready that team is um because they just have a little bit of everything uh these two teams are not really built like that and that's why i make the reference so i, I guess for both squads you're almost wishing that the that the game doesn't evolve into into sort of a grudge match per se but if it does max do you like umd's chances in that type of a matchup uh, normally i would say i do because they they have been pretty good on the penalty kill all year but uh, it struggled as of late and, you know, not necessarily against St. Cloud in the, the past couple of games, but uh, I, I don't think they're as strong as they have been in, in past years. They don't have Hobie Bakers on the defensive line. They don't have anybody that's, you know, capable of being a completely shut down player. And that's not to say that Ryan Fanty's not good because he's second in the NCHC right now, only behind Zach Driscoll, who, by the way, was stolen from Bemidji. And that's the only reason that I won't say the only reason. Whoops. A good help in terms <laughs> of where North Dakota's at this year. Great goalie, great team in general. It's something that I have to bring up whenever whenever I can. But um, back to what I was saying, that the, the Bulldogs are top 10 in even strength goals against for, for opposing teams. And they're top 10 in shots against on a per-game basis. So when they're playing five-on-five five hockey, they're, they're a top 10 team in the nation. So I, I don't see that being an issue as long as they can keep it that way and, and play a, a relatively level game. So what does the ultimate question bring us, which is how does UMD pull this off? Again, mathematically speaking, you have a two-point advantage. If you get a victory in regulation on Friday, that pretty much puts you at home mites. That seals it, right? 
Um, for the Huskies, if they win in regulation or at least throw it to what the NCAA would call it a tie or at least to a shootout, that's you know at least splitting points. And then even if they still lose in the shootout, that's a three-point advantage. So the math is still in the favor of UMD, but you got to get there. So how does UMD make that happen? Yeah, I, th- I think you alluded to it earlier. And then with that question as well, the, the Friday game is the biggest because if you do win in regulation on Friday, the monkey is off your back for not only the series, but the season as a whole, you would be mathematically above 500, even if you lost out. And then you would just be relating, you know, relying on the uh, pairwise rankings to maintain the top 16 rate. So I think if, if Sandlin can get the guys up for a good game on Friday and play through it, it's going to put everybody in a much more relaxed position and um, in a good spot to, to produce well for the rest of the weekend. But with that being said, there is a lot of pressure right now. And I, I don't want to see as a, a hockey fan in general, but obviously as a fan of UMD, I don't want to see anybody thinking that this game is the end all be all because there is another Saturday game. And even if you do lose both games this series, you won't be playing at home but you still have uh, another way into the tournament, another way to continue your season. That's just to win, not necessarily win out, but at least make it to the championship game of the NCHC. So I don't want the guys to be playing with, with every shift is the end all be all. They need to play a good, smart game and play their style. And I, I think that they can do that. And Sandlin's got enough experience. This is a, a, an older team for the most part that, that should know that um, given where they've been. And, and, you know, a couple of them having championship um seasons uh, on the resume already. So uh, I just want to see that happen. And I'm, I'm, you know, manifesting it as the kids today would say. <laughs> I, I like that word. Yes. Manifesting. It is uh, speaking of manifesting success, right? Uh, I think the first goal in both games um, is going to be pivotal in the series in terms of how it plays out. Uh, Max, I want to know if you agree one and number two, if UMD scores first in on Friday, um, we saw this with St. Cloud last weekend, how you could still see some of that pressure. You could see some of that nervousness in their game. You score once, they scored twice. They started to relax a little bit. Um, that tends to me, when you bring that mentality into this, I think this could be a very low scoring series. And I do think there's going to be a lot on, uh, you know, I guess it, it, not a lot of grade A scoring oppor- opportunities. Uh, what do you expect um, on the ice of how this team, uh, how the series will actually play out? Yeah, the the first goal is is going to be pivotal, and it's funny to say that after having you know UMD already scored the first goal in the previous two and having completely different results, both of them going to that overtime and and shootout format. Ultimately, um, I, I do think that you know not to say that the the first matchup between these two was lucky one way or the other, but they they did control that game a lot more, and if they can play that style, it, it's going to be a, a lot better. It seemed like they were a lot more relaxed and not necessarily. Um, getting into some of the scrums that didn't didn't need to be going on. And, you know, some of that just comes with late season play and having it been physical all year long. But um, the, like you said, the first goal is going to be huge. The The only disadvantage, I shouldn't say the only one, but one of the disadvantages I see for UMD and the NCHC schedule in general is all of the, the Minnesota state colleges, I believe, are are on spring break. UMD, at least, is on spring break. So it's not going to have that, that massive student section. You're not going to get a ton of help when – the St. Cloud goalie Rennick is, is he's not going to be getting berated down there or have signs saying anything about his family or sister or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, that's all in, all in good fun, but you're not going to get that type of home ice advantage. So scheduling a, a tough team or a tough matchup like St. Cloud this late in the year is, is always fun. It's a great way to close out the season. 
but having it in a in an arena that's that's not going to have the same you know vibe or energy that it's used to all year might be a little bit different for the players and you know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of not getting those super high highs so you're not going to have any sort of drop off you just need to be able to get the players up in general for that and and make sure that they're understanding when they're doing something good and i don't think that that's too hard for somebody at the the collegiate level so what we come to is prediction time. Unbiased, of course, we are here on the MNCAA podcast. But this is, I think, a tough one to predict. Uh, there's a lot of variables. Again, these teams have not really been consistent as of late or throughout the, se- uh, the season, actually, respectively. But, Max, on home ice, it, you, you got your backs against the wall to a proverbial degree. Uh, how do you see this, uh, this series playing out? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's silly to say that, you know, it's it's been, you know, as close as physically possible and it, it has been, but I expect this more of the same. You already mentioned it earlier. I expect a little bit lower scoring, two good goaltenders, um, two good defensive teams, not that there's they don't have uh, offensive weapons on either side, specifically St. Cloud, but um, just the way that they play one another and the way that they played one another for the last two years seems like it's it's kind of leading itself to this. So uh, I'm saying a split at home as I'd like as much as I'd like to say a sweep, uh, a split at home, and that'll do it. Not that you know, it's a split is going to have the same outcome on the season as a sweep would. Maybe not having the momentum, but they're going to run into each other the same same place, same time, essentially for the the next weekend as well. So if they can get comfortable and and win one game this weekend, I'll be happy. And I think uh, Bulldogs fans will be too, as uh, that will certainly help uh, them cement their case for the NCAA tournament again, selection Sunday coming up in under three, uh, about three weeks now. So it's coming up quick. Uh, Max, again, thanks so much for joining us. We need to head south to uh, another Minnesota State school, the Minnesota, uh, the Mankato Mavericks, the number one team in the country. And to get us cut off, we bring in Marissa Voss. Welcome in, in Miss Marissa Voss to talk the hottest team in the country. That is Minnesota State Mankato. Marissa, happy to have you back on. And again, thanks for remembering to come on the show. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I almost forgot. To be, um, no, you, you did forget, but okay. I did. It's okay. I, I, I redeemed myself, guys. Okay? So it was like 15 minutes past and like I was like, all right, we're going to do this thing. And then I was like uploading Maverick Minute and then I was like, like literally exactly like that, like eyes big. I text Nick. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> now I'm like, you have no other uh, important things going on or our team that's no. you're covering. Nothing. Mm-mm. No, no nothing, nothing. Nothing huge. Nothing huge. Not like they're the one number one team in the country or anything like For that. For like six, the sixth consecutive week. That was longer no. than that, but sure. Anyway, I don't Sweet, you know, sweet flex, bro. But, <laughs> but let's, let's actually talk about Minnesota State. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, what, what a regular season they've had, uh, Marissa. This is a team that um, has been on a mission since day one. They've been mm-hmm. the most consistent team that we've seen and covered mm-hmm. on this podcast. And, uh, well, here yep. we are where the games now really matter. And you can't really have a down night. Um, and yep. it starts all in the uh, CCHA playoffs. So uh, let's first just recap the regular season. Uh, is this what uh, kind of everybody was expecting? and Or was it better than you expected? Uh, the regular season, um, you know, it was it, it was better than I expected. I, it's not like I haven't, 
you know, I don't like the, love the guys and I don't have full faith in them because I do, but, you know, it, you never know when you lose a senior group like that or you, you know, you make it that far and then you're like, okay, we got another, like, year to go. Um, so I really think that they exceeded my expectations, especially that first couple weeks, you know, when you had, you know, sweeping UMass at UMass and, you know, St. Cloud. So I think this entire season has been really good. Obviously, people are going to be like, well, what about LSSU, you know, when we lost over there and no one was expecting that? We had six guys out. No one's going to expect that. There's... And no one's gonna be perfect. Are you? You're, you're telling me you're gonna have a perfect record in college hockey? There's no way. So I think having 30 plus wins and then like 20, 23 and three in the CCHA and about 31 and five in the you know overall. That's that's pretty good. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, no perfect record, um, but mm -hmm. Tom Brady's entered the chat. Anyway, we'll push him out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but on that note, uh, Marissa, this is and this is sort of the interesting kind of caveat too right and that is the number mm -hmm. one seed going into the ncaa tournament if you go back to 2000 only four teams that have entered the ncaa tournament as the number one seed have actually gone on to win the national championship is there in the eyes of marissa Voss, a number one curse and if that does apply does that scare Mar marissa Voss a little bit as we head into playoff hockey you know, obviously, I just think there might be a Minnesota State curse. I'm going to be 100% frank with you. It's I, I've been covering this team for like three or four years. Like, until last year, like, we didn't get a win at all. And I was like, "Is like we're great. We're all really good. We're always good. We're ranked top five. Um, the number one curse for me, I don't know if it's because I work with hockey players all the time. I don't know if it's because I just have adopted that mentality that, like, it's really nice. It's cool. Wow. Go, go us. I don't pull, hold much credence in it. I don't. I think that it's a label. I think it's a cool, but um, at the end of the day, you know, you're entering playoff hockey. You're entering um, the national tournament. It's a clean slate overall. Everyone's right there. So for me, I don't place much credence. I don't think there's a curse. Um, but again, I feel like I'm just turning into a hockey player at this point because I literally sound like one. I'm like, what's going on? Usually I'm like, yeah, I'll wear this. But I'm like, yeah, it's just a number. I don't know what's happening to me. So, so Marissa, if I asked you the intermission, we got to do, well, let me guess, pucks deep, get behind mm -hmm. their D and shotgun yep. that. Yeah, got just, yeah, put bodies on bodies, you know? It's so funny because, like, every time I ask them, I'm like, I know exactly where this is going, you know? <laughs> I know exactly where this is going. And it's like, every time I'm just like, Yep, okay, fans, I hope you liked that generic answer that we get every single time. You just gotta get bodies on bodies, you know, they're coming out as really aggressive, we just gotta get pucks deep, puck, puck, pucks behind net, we'll be good to go in this second period. And with that, we'll send it back to the studio, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. It's so it's true. So true. You and I both, uh, you know, cover teams live in person, um, and it's... Again, it's 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 the media training. Mm -hmm. Part of it is again they're not trying to give away secrets too, which exactly. is, is part of it. You know, I think that's the other part of it that a lot of fans don't understand is you know the the interviewing is there and you want the real answers per mm -hmm. se, but they're also trained. Don't don't give away the house, right? Exactly. Uh, but speaking of giving away the house, um, CCHA tournament starts this weekend. Number one seed Mavericks against the um, the last seed St. Thomas Tommies. Um, what a season for St. Thomas, honestly, um, mm -hmm. from where they were game one to where they are now. You know, if you look at the win-loss record, we talk about this with Ryan Stieg, you would not know 99% of their story. Um, exactly. They're not a team to be taken lightened, but on paper, 
Again, Minnesota State should take care of business at home. Uh, I, I guess, what are your initial thoughts going into this weekend uh, for the quarterfinals of the CCHA? You know, um, I was talking with my brother who go, went to St. Thomas, and he's like, they're a bad team. And I go, they're not a bad team. If you would ask me at the beginning of the season, yes, I would have told you they're not good. Um, but the fact that they stuck with the Beavers last weekend and a lot of their like losses have been pretty close – I mean, you've got some good players on that team. You got Luke Manning, you've got, you know, and then also a former Maverick for goalie um, Teddy. But I think they're a good team. I just think they're young, and I don't think it's out of the realm to think that they're going to come at us really hard and really fast, and they're going to give it everything they have. They have nothing to lose, and we have everything to lose. So I think that you can expect a really hard game, them putting bodies, getting really physical, and just, you know, taking taking us and trying to play confidently they and they should be playing confident they're doing good but what we really need to do is get out strong and get out hard and get out in the first couple minutes um our starts have not been that good i talked with coach hastings this last uh i think it was just yesterday yeah i talked with him yesterday for maverick minute and he goes the starts the starts are they're killing us so if we start out fast in the first period and we get some goals that's nothing nothing's going to stop us then and I would agree with uh, with your assessment in that because you talk about St. Thomas. Uh, they're not built as a deep team, obviously, a first year as a Division One program. Mm-hmm. In fact, they've got four or five Division Three skaters, technically, if you want to go by skill. And that's not a disrespect to them. That just shows you, in, in fact, how more enamored that team should be for mm-hmm. how much progress they've made. Uh, but to your point, that slow start mentality or that slow start performance um, that can be big credence as we get into the MNCAA uh, tournament. I did say MNCAA tournament. I meant NCAA tournament. My goodness gracious. Did you see my face? I was like, yeah, I said that I had the same face. My goodness. You, we've both had very busy 10 days, haven't we? My goodness. Monday, Saturday and morning is afternoon. It's, it's, it's been like that. But with that being said, Marissa, I think there is you know, something to be said about the Mavericks team and mm-hmm. you know the expectations they have, uh, especially preseason and more so now what they have shown throughout the regular season. Um, it seems like every team that they've been thrown at, they've been able to be neck and neck. Um, what is the attitude like for uh, Horns Up Nation out there and what this team could potentially accomplish as we head into the next two or three weeks? Oh, hard questions because, again, I'm a hockey player. No, I'm I'm turning into one. But um, day by day, you know, honestly, these guys, and that's how the hockey mentality is, but these guys don't look forward to the Natty tournaments. Of course, I mean, of course they do. They're excited. But they're looking at day by day. They're looking at it practice by practice by practice by, you know, now they're going to tackle the practice today, and then they're going to tackle St. Thomas, and then who knows what happens. They're not looking towards the semifinals and all this stuff. Um, so as hockey players, they're attacking what they need to, and that's UST. Um, as fan base, as, um, you know, everyone else, um, everyone's excited, and everyone should be excited. This is a great group of guys on and off the ice. They're very talented. There's The, the depth is absolutely unreal. Um, but I do feel, though, I've heard some rumblings going around. Um, some Maverick fans aren't super happy with a lot of other people on the outside. Let me explain. Um, it feels like, you know, I'm on Twitter a lot and I look at that stuff. Some Maverick fans are a little upset because we're not getting, like, recognition from a lot of people. And I, I feel as though, you know, Dan Myers 
bless his man's heart, he said it perfectly on a tweet. He said, you know, once they win a national championship, then that will be over. But until we win, that's not going to stop anyone. So I think they're there. They can see us because they're there. They're, this Maverick community is super passionate, but they're just upset that we're not getting recognition, but that's not going to come until whenever. So I think everyone's excited. They just... They just, I don't know, it's its its a weird vibe this year than any other year, I feel. You know what I mean? There's a lot at stake, but people just don't want to be ignored. Yeah, and, I, I, you know, from St. Cloud's run to the national championship last year, you know, I think our fan base had similar feelings where, you know, even before the championship game that uh, you got the media day in between, uh, the, the national media was not giving us a fighting chance. In fact, it was yep. almost seemed like we were being written off. And, exactly. you know, unfortunately for the Huskies, the score ended up not giving us much more cannon fodder. Uh, yeah. to that, right. So, um, but you're absolutely right. I do think that, you know, it's when you put up or shut up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also too, to that, to that account, if you're playing for recognition, you're not playing for the right reasons either, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. So you, you have to just go out there and just play hockey and let, you know, the bygones be bygones. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, Marissa, um, you know, let's talk about you actually sharing on the ice the moment that uh, and, uh, Minnesota State won the CCHA uh, <laughs> title. I, I know you were on the ice talking to a few of those guys. Uh, what was, what were some of the, the more memorable comments that you heard when you were talking to the guys after securing the ccha title yeah so um on the ice talking with reggie lutz and andy carroll honestly at this point i was just like who's available and i asked connor grega and i was like connor do you want to do an interview and he's like no the man (laughs) said no to me he literally said no go do someone else and i was like you can't say no to me i was like get your butt over here and he just left i was like this is ridiculous, but um, some of the I was so upset with him. I hope that Connor watches this and realizes that I'm upset with him. But you heard so some, first, ladies and gentlemen, Connor <laughs> Grega breaking my heart. So some of the comments from Reggie. Obviously, Reggie and Jack have won it for um, five straight years. The McNaughton Cup. Every single year they've been there and been a um, Maverick is it's absolutely unreal. But you know, the, it, it wasn't like Reggie was like it's easy dubs you know we do it all the time but he, he is looking like he's super grateful super happy but he also is looking towards that you know all of these guys are looking forward because it's the fifth time um a lot of emotions a lot of happiness obviously as always as a, a championship would be but um really reggie was like let's let's get it going you know we're we're we're, we're ready we're ready to do some damage um andy was super happy just to be in front of his home crowd and talking about, you know, winning it in front of them and really just being a maverick. Like he was, he was pretty emotional and it was, it was cool to see that side of those two, but they're, they're ultimately obviously super jacked up. I can show you videos and videos of them just being excited, but they're ready to get to work. And you, you, you could tell they were like, "Mm, we're not done yet. And it shows, you know, where this team is mentally, right? In terms of what their goal is, what they expect of themselves. And that is, this was just a step in the process, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I guess step number two, you could argue, starts this weekend. Uh, again, uh, Marissa, I think, lightly said, this is a, a series Mankato should easily handle. Um, although college hockey has, you know, it's funny weird. ghosts that come out sometimes. But <laughs> it does. Do we really have any other expectation other than Mavericks take this series in two? Honestly, honestly, I don't I don't like being like, oh, but it, 
it's going to happen. You know, we've we're we're on what like a 12, 13 game winning streak right now or however many. So we've been winning, we're on a hot streak and they're coming to us, right? Now if we keep winning, every single game is going to be at the Mayo Clinic Health System Event Center. That is so so big and i know people are gonna be like oh it's cheating like you know you guys are playing no it's just because we won we won and we're good and we're the best team in the league and we should have home ice advantage but that's gonna be you know what it takes for us to go that extra strength because you know i think i was talking to andy when we were doing senior interviews and we were talking about you know the you know the kind of vibes at the arena um during game days and He's like, I only have lost there, knock on wood. I've only lost at the arena myself in his four years, like, a couple times. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a incredibly, incredibly hard place to play. Um, and especially if you're a new Division One team, it's borderline impossible. That's tough. Um, it is. So I, I guess this begs the question then, you know, regardless, let's just say, that, you know, they go on and, and they take care of business against St. Tom. Well, let's just say that they, you know, something happens in the hockey world mm-hmm. and they lose out the semifinals. I don't expect that to happen, but mm-hmm. major things have happened. Ask uh, yep. Huskies fans, AIC slash Air Force. They still have nightmares about that. Um, but let's, you know, they're going to be in the tournament no matter what. Exactly. Um, how does this team fare away from, you know, their home ice and at neutral sites, mm-hmm. um, I guess, you know, is really what the Mavericks fan base is, is really going to judge how this season goes by what happens in the NCAA tournament? It's always so hard. Like I said, I kind of quoted like, you know, the curse of Minnesota state and you know, I'm, I'm a very neutral person. I'm a very real person. So if someone comes at me and goes, you're not a true Maverick, I go, no, I am. I'm just a, a very real person. It's, um, it's hard. You know, we go back to the Parker Toomey, Nick, Nick Rivera, Mark Michaelis, um, not their COVID year, but the year before, um, you know, we, they, we played Providence and we lost. And we, you know, we were like ahead. We were booming. We were ahead. Everything was going great. Then all of a sudden we lost. Um, so we do have this kind of thing where we just make stupid mistakes. Like, I think that game, Connor Mackey, like, got into the box or did something. Got into the box. Like, we kept going to the box. We were making mistakes. Or we, we didn't look good. We didn't look fresh. So I think, you know, it's just some weird stuff, but we just make stupid mistakes. Um when we get in that moment, and I think last year surprised kind of everyone because it was a different team. It was a different vibe. It was like, we're here to win. We're here to do this. We're not going to make mistakes. We're going to be effortless. We're going to be perfect. Um, you know, up until obviously that St. Cloud goal that still haunts me in my dreams and my nightmares. That, uh, as much that was as rough. The, wow. I mean, watching that game at <sighs> PPG Pants Arena, I mean, as a reporter, and granted, yeah, I cover St. Cloud, but you feel for both squads in that moment, especially the timing of it. I mean, it's under mm-hmm. 60 seconds. Yep. The game was back and forth. A very good hockey game, right? Oh, very, it's not, very it's not good. not that anybody should hang their hats on. What's sad is in contests like that, someone has to lose. Mm-hmm. That's what's tough. And for, I mean, great skilled play by Noah Walker to get that tip. I don't care who you are, if you are, what oh, should have been the deserve it. Mike Richter, award winner, Dryden McKay, and he should be a Collier favorite this year. And if he doesn't win it, I have serious questions on the people who vote on that award. Um, yes. There's no goaltender that would be able to stop that puck. There's, no. there's just not. So it's It was nuts. And then also you have like Caleb sending me that gif every five seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, the 
that's your only argument? And it's like, it's the only argument I need. Like, I just like, every single time something happens, he like, sends that. And I'm like. Just know that that's the only oh! thing he's got. That's the only thing he's got, so. I know. <laughs> and let's just put it this way. If Mankato, which has a very good chance to make noise deep into the NCAA season, mm -hmm. if they do end up coming from Boston with some hardware for the first time in school history, just know you would also only need one gift or one, you know, message to send back. Exactly. After that. So, uh, Miss Marissa Voss, it's been a pleasure. Uh, that's going to do it here for episode number 21 on the MNCAA podcast. As always, keep checking in with us here as we continue to cover college hockey in the playoffs and, of course, as we continue in the NCAA tournament. I'm your host, Nick Max, and we'll see you back here next week.